Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. In sports today, we're seeing players switch teams at an unprecedented level. Coaches have to navigate players wanting to transfer in and out of their programs at the college and even high school level. This week, TJ and Sam share their experiences and insights so you can improve your leadership and guide your program in this all-too-common transfer culture. Before we start, a quick word from PGC Basketball. If you want to have the smartest players on the court next season, there's no other place for them to be this summer than PGC Camp. Don't settle for bad decision-making, unnecessary turnovers, and lack of leadership any longer. A week at a point guard college, scoring college, or playmaker college camp for two to three of your players may be the difference between a mediocre season and a winning the championship. And if you want to take your own basketball IQ and coaching to a whole new level, join over 8,000 coaches who have attended a week at PGC. Youth coaches to professional coaches have called a week at PGC the best coaching clinic they've ever attended. Our early bird registration for players and coaches ends on March 31st. So go to pgcbasketball.com to find a camp today. Okay, welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle. Sam, we got a really um, good topic today in the sense that I, when I say good, I mean that I think it can help players to make better decisions. And I also think it can help coaches help players to make better decisions. So we're going to talk about choices. And really what kind of brought this conversation about is there's a lot going on in the basketball world and, and specifically in college basketball, but it trickles down to high school and lower levels to at different age groups. But, you know, the transfer portal is just cr- going crazy, you know, with number of players leaving unhappy, wanting to go other places. And, you know, that, that's a, a, a two prong thing there. And one, one part of that is, you know, sometimes coaches ask players to leave, so they need to go in transfer portal. And there's a lot of players that are unhappy um, that go into the transfer portal thinking that the grass is greener. Now, this isn't just a, um, you know, a college basketball problem. I think this is a uh, happening more and more at every single level. I'm not happy with my AAU team. I'm not getting enough shots. I'm changing. I'm not happy with my high school. I'm going to this one. I think the gist of it is, is everybody wants it right now and they want what they think they deserve and they want what uh, they think um, is owed to them and, and, and they're making decisions. What we're going to talk about is what do you do with those choices and how do you make really good decisions? Because we talked on a previous episode about quitting, like maybe more players should quit. Like that's an option. Maybe a lot of players that quit shouldn't have quit. And the, the main thing being that sometimes we're just not going through the decision-making process very well. And a lot of times we like to blame the athlete, but if we're being honest about it, I think everybody plays a role in this. I think parents play a role. I think society plays a role. I think the athlete plays a role. I think coaches play a role. And I think we all want young people to make good decisions. And I think that there's a big problem with the way we're going about making these decisions right now. And so we know that more than ever, everybody has choices. And we think that you should be making good choices. And I'm sure our coaches listen and think you should be making good choices. So we're going to go to all areas. Like, how can we help them to make better choices? And why are they making these choices? What role does the coach play in making these choices? So what's your thoughts on that, Sam? It's a really important topic, TJ. And it, it is, we shouldn't be surprised by the, the amount of transfers because it's just a continuum of what happens during their high school career. They're, it's very normalized now that players are playing for multiple high schools, multiple AU teams, maybe 
on the low end, com- combined three or four, high end 10 to 12 in the course of a four-year career. So it wouldn't be that surprising. We shouldn't be surprised when it happens. And so in terms of choices, CJ, options, I think options in life can be a really good thing. It's good to have options. Sometimes, though, options don't allow or do allow individuals not to learn, you know, an important life lessons like persistence, working through challenges, grit. And I think though that's what we're, we need to we dial into here. Why are why would a young person leave? Is it have they really dialed in and and work, done the work inside? to recognize, oh, wait, the problem lies within. It isn't somebody else's problem. I think if, if somebody leaves for a reason that they haven't done the internal work, then there's a problem there. That's going, that problem's going to chase them wherever they go. And so options can be a good thing, but they can also cripple people in general from, from having to do the internal work. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think you know, coaches, like, what is your role in this? First of all, many of our high school coaches that are trying to help players get recruited or find the right place, you know, I think there is a, a lot of unknown right now, you know, with the COVID year and the transfers going up. Like, I can tell high school coaches as a college coach, I'm uncertain. I don't know what this all means. Like, I'm still trying to figure it out. I think a lot of coaches are in this boat trying to figure it out. But what you've done is, in a lot of ways, combined at a class. I mean, the game just got more competitive. I read a tweet the other day where 1% of basketball players go division one, 1% go D2, 1% go NAI, 1% go JUCO. Like there's a 1%. And I think that 1% just got tighter, you know, because of the COVID year and because of, you know, all the numbers of transfers, like we don't know all the ramifications, but there are a lot of ramifications. And I can even see high school coaches being a little bit frustrated right now with their players not getting recruited. And, you know, we'll have to all kind of stick in this together and, and see how that plays out and how that changes the overall recruiting process and recruiting cycle for all coaches. So that's one piece of it. The second piece is what you just spoke to. And you were talking about, you know, choices. Here's what I think is important for the role of the coach here is I don't think that this is if you care about being a transformational coach and really making an impact in people's lives. I don't think this is just a black and white decision. I don't think you can just be like, hey, um, are you coming back or are you not? And the player says, no, I'm transferring. You're done. Get out of here. You know, or um, yes, I'm staying. You know, like there's there's more of a conversation. Same thing with high school kids. You, you I hear this speaking to a local Georgia high school coach and, you know, the transfer thing is, you know, they got players saying, well, when I get my junior year, I'm going prep school. Another one saying, Hey, I'm not getting as many shots as I think I should get. Like there's high school coaches trying to re-recruit their own players and make them happy where they're at. And there's a lot of teachable moments in that whole process. And I think a transformational coach looks at this and says, how can I help? these people through this situation because it's very easy with our competitive nature to say you're not coming back you're dead to me you know or you think you're going to leave after this year well I'm not going to work through I don't want a dedicated player I I just think there's a lot more we can give young people through the process of making these decisions and I think they need more help than ever because obviously the easy way out is becoming the norm and I'm not okay with just sitting back as a transformational coach and being like, uh, just is what it is. Yeah. It's changing. We all got to adjust, but how can I be a part of the solution and a part of the growth of young people through this process? 
Well, let's talk like this for a second. So me and you wear different hats in this, okay? I want to ask you a question in a moment. I, I wear the hat where players that I've worked with over the last several years, some are current high school, some are current college, I get it at, at both levels. I get the call from the parent and the kid or separately, hey, coach, this happens weekly, TJ, for me. We're thinking about transferring. And so I play more of a – a mediator, you know, ask me questions, providing some mentorship guidance, sometimes asking them questions. I play that role. You're in the seat of a college coach, and you're having conversations where you're taking in a transfer at times, but then you also have to have conversations every year, and you're probably having them right now with players who maybe didn't like their role or whatever the reason be, and they, they're thinking about transferring. So take us in to your office for a moment as a transformational coach. That's who you want to live out to be. And I do, let me say this before I ask my question. I don't think there's any generalized approach here. It is a contextual thing. Every player has a different set of circumstances. I think there's some commonalities. But take us into your office when you're having that conversation with a kid and how you help them work through it. Yeah. You know, well, first of all, I'll walk you through what we would do, but I I don't think it's the norm based on what I hear. And I know it's not the norm, even just at my own school. I know there's a lot of coaches that walk into the office and either you are good enough or you weren't good enough. And we need to move on to the next player if you weren't good enough. So there's the reality, like, you know, while we get to um, college and same thing in high school, actually, is like, hey, look, if I can't get what I want, well, the coach can cut me. The coach can bench me. So the player may not be getting what they want. In college, it's no different. They may take back your scholarship and they may, you know, the, reduce your scholarship. There's a lot of things that coaches choose to do. And to be honest with you, for a lot of coaches, I think it's just a bottom line situation. Either you were good enough or you weren't good enough. If you're taking up a scholarship and you weren't good enough, then we're moving on to the next person. I have always tried to operate from a place of a trans transformational coach that feels good about myself going to sleep at night. Cause what a lot of people don't think about is we're completely affecting these people's lives. And I don't know if that's any different than, than the work world, you know, like if a, a person doesn't get a job done and they have two kids, I mean, it's not just black and white. You say, Hey, you're fired. You know, that person is put into a really tough situation and it affects their life. It affects their kids' lives. You know? And so if I tell a player, Hey, we're cutting your scholarship, you've got to go that affects their financial future. They don't know what their future holds as far as what school they're going to go to. There's a lot of ramifications from just making a transactional decision. I don't want to go down a side road, but I do want to share this. I do think that coaches sometimes become transactional so that you don't have to deal with the emotions of everything that goes on it. You know, like when you think about like letting a player go in this particular instance is like, yeah, I'm sorry, you're not going to make it like, well, they don't want to have the conversation, the in-depth conversation with the player to help them through this process because it's easier to cut ties and move on. It's harder to be a transformational coach and actually have a talk with these players or multiple hours of talks with these players to help them to understand why, you know, because sometimes it is best to fire somebody, you know, but sometimes it is best to get rid of, but, but there's also, more you can add to that person's life, that moment, their decision-making. So when we walk into the office, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do is, you know, one, I made a commitment to you and you made a commitment to me. You know, whether we, whether we were wrong about how good you were or how bad you were or whatever it is, we made a commitment to you. 
and you did the same. You made a commitment to us. So both parties did something special. They chose each other, you know? And so when we get to that place where we chose each other, I try and honor that in all of my conversations. Now, I do think that there's a real, you know, order to this conversation of what happens in the office. One is what are, what are your dreams and aspirations? And I think a high school coach and middle school coach and AAU coach can have the same conversation. Like, what are your goals? So if a player comes in here and says, listen, I'm going to be unhappy unless I'm playing 30 minutes a game because I need the film to be able to go pro. You know, that could be mine, but it could be a high school coach. They walk in there and say, I'm going to be unhappy and I'm going to struggle to be a good teammate unless I'm getting the most shots. Well, if, as long as a person can articulate that and you can articulate back to them, you know, how, how this is going to play out and how this might affect the team, I think you can have a healthy conversation. So if a player comes in and says, hey, listen, I didn't play this year and I'm, you know, I'm going to have a hard time being a great teammate and being happy unless I'm playing 20 minutes a game, we can talk through that situation and we can work our way through that. But I think that's the starting point to the conversation in the office, Sam, is like, hey, what are your dreams and aspirations and what are you trying to do and what are the chances of that happening here? You know, and working. And if you know that you can't be happy, I mean, I think it takes maturity to say, listen, I can't be happy sitting on the bench. Okay. Then there's, that's good for, to know for the team. What are your other options? Because the flip side of that is almost every player wants something that is a lot of times not attainable, right? Because most players want more than they actually put into it. And so having the flip side of that conversation with them and giving them reality, this is where it gets tough. Listen, I understand you want to play 25 minutes a game and you want to score double digits and then you want to be, um, you know, an all-conference player, all-region player, whatever, and you want to – but there's another side to this. You're not putting in the work to get to that place. And I think there's even another level to that. I think there's the reality check to that. Like, one, you're not putting the work in. And two, even if you do put the work in, there's a good chance you're not going to get to that place here. Now, here's the problem with most players. Most players bet on themselves. You know, at 16, 17, 18, 15, whatever, how much perspective did we really have? And the reality of that player, they're thinking in that moment, well, I'll go somewhere different. I'll go somewhere bigger. I'll play more minutes. I'll go somewhere and do this. And the reality for that player is they might not even be able to land on a roster. And they don't want to hear that. And so that is a tough conversation. But we have to help give them some of that background, that perspective, you know, and that high school player that wants to go another place to get more shots, you know, well, it, that's not that easy. It's not that easy to go do that. There's a lot of options. I, I understand that there, but I think most of the time players think they're choosing a better option. And I would say half of them, if not more, show up and realize, you know, it wasn't a change of place or a, a venue or whatever. It was actually had more to do with me than it had to do with, you know, the what and the where and all that other kind of stuff. Coaches, let's take a quick halftime break. When you look at today's game, and specifically college basketball with March Madness going on, four of the top nine teams in women's Division I basketball are in the Sweet 16. The top two men's teams and three of the top 12 three-point shooting teams are in the Sweet 16. Two of the top five in men's D2 are in the Final Four. And what that tells us is shooting matters. And my question for you is, what are you doing to develop shooters year-round in your program and on your team? At the college level, sure, you can recruit it some, but you also develop it. You can develop it at any level, but it does take a year-round commitment. 
So that's my question to you. What are you doing to inspire? What system are you putting in place to make sure and ensure that your players are putting in the work to becoming elite shooters? Elite shooting can neutralize athleticism. It can neutralize talent oftentimes. And it's one of the things we as coaches can do to help develop our players and elevate our program. And I can't think of a better way of developing shooters than with our good friends at ShootAway. So make sure you go visit ShootAway.com and invest in your program with the gun. Get up hundreds of shots with your players in a short amount of time being efficient with it. Now, let's go back to the show. Yeah, I think the challenge too is not everybody speaks the truth. You know, you just mentioned the high school player wanting to get more shots. Here's the problem. The coach that's truthful, so like when you have that truthful conversation and you tell a kid where they're at and you're being honest, but then another coach is telling them you can come here and shine and they just want to get them in the door, like then then the kid, the kid's being lied to by a coach or an adult and then they're going to go there and they're going to have to live it out and go through a year of being unhappy and and live a, and live and learn a hard lesson right so i think that's a real challenge that happens too and and i think a lot of young people too um, associate truth with when a coach is truthful that they're a hater or that they are holding them back or they don't believe in them i've heard that before no no i, I think they believe in being truthful and they're telling you what needs to happen you playing, not playing this year is not a coach not believing in you. It's just right now you're not ready. I see that happen a lot. I know you've got to see that at the college level, right? Yeah, all the time. And, you know, even on a smaller scale, like players that come in and say, hey, I think I could have played eight to ten minutes this year and only helped the team, right? Well, let me let me just put that into perspective. You know, I probably every year – you know, have seven or eight players that don't get in the game and don't play very much. And all seven of those eight players say, hey, I think I can get in the game for five or ten minutes and really help the team, right? Well, let's just do the math on that. And that's one thing I hope gives them perspective. Here's the number of guys that told me you could do that. Eight guys told me they thought they could contribute that five or ten minutes. So let's just say that I went all the way with ten minutes. That would equal up to 80 minutes. So that's two full starting spots you would take that time from who now, like everybody thinks they can do that. And so we just might as well eliminate two of our starters so that the eight of you can play eight minutes or 10 minutes. Like there's no perspective. There's no reality. So you have to give them visuals to that kind of stuff. And I, and I think that that truth, like you said, Sam, oftentimes feels like a hater. feels like something you want that long run though. I think one of the things that really helps is if you've had those transparent conversations, when that time comes, and they don't get exactly what they want, you didn't mislead them. Because I struggle with this. I think a lot of coaches go into this. You tell me, hey, listen, if you get up your 300 shots this year and, and this uh, 300 shots a day, and if you do your ball handling, I think things are really going to go a lot better for you. And, all that, and they paint this vision for every player. And then we come back, you know, five players put in all that work, and they're still not good enough. And so then they feel like you're a liar. Coach, what are you talking about? I mean, I put in all that work, and I did all that. And so – I don't like to be in that situation. I don't like to just blow smoke and tell every player if they work hard and they, they put in more time than they ever put, then it's going to pay off in results because we all know in life, whether it's job or anything else, 
it doesn't always pay off. There's a lot of players that have put up a lot of shots and they want to play college basketball that have never been able to play college basketball. And so painting a false narrative too, I think can hurt players as well. But I think a lot of coaches choose that road. So, so going back to the choices thing, which I think is a really important one here. When a player, when is, what's the right choice or what's the right framework that we could help coaches with and players that might be listening on how to decide when to punt and, and go to another place, go to another job or to stay with it and finish what you started and fulfill a commitment. Like, even as you were just saying what you were saying, I was thinking about this, my, you know, different jobs I've had. And, you know, there were times where I stayed in a job because I felt like I needed to fulfill a commitment and I wasn't necessarily happy or um, I didn't feel like that was the best, but I thought, man, I, I owe it to stay here. And, and not a pat on my back like a team player, but yeah, I, I value team. I value loyalty. And I think even as I'm thinking through it in the real time right now, I think at times I might have been loyal to a fault and fulfilled a commitment to a fault when the best thing for me or my family might have been to leave. But I wouldn't redo it again because I, you learn those valuable lessons too. So back to the without the self psychology of myself here. How do we help coaches? How do we help players know when, you know, quitting is the right thing or when um, leaving and going with the other option is the best thing or fulfilling a commitment? That's that's the hardest part here. Yeah. So I think going back to what I said earlier, I, let me I just walk you through the steps as a coach. One, if you really want to be a transformational coach, I think when you have these end of the season conversations about what your role is, whether you're going to stay, whether anything it is in this end of the year conversation, you need to be attached to growth in the conversation more than the outcome of the conversation. Because when a coach goes into a conversation, you typically either want a player to stay or go, or you want a player to know that they aren't good enough or they are good enough, or you're trying to put confidence in that player, or you're trying to humble them. You, you know, going into the conversation, what you feel, but it's not about what you feel and the point you're trying to prove. It's about going in there and helping those young people grow. And so knowing that if I have a real truth, truthful, transparent, loving conversation with this person, they're going to be better for it. And I'm going to be better for it. And no matter what the outcome is, I can be comfortable with that. But I, I, that's the first thing. And that's what a transformational coach will do is go into that conversation, not trying to sway the outcome or the decision, but true, truly trying to help that player to gain whatever it is, perspective, um, the right decision. Um, you're trying to help them to become a better decision maker and make the decision for the right reasons. And you're saying, hold on, you're, you're saying, yeah, drop the expectation prior to the meeting, go into it, Hey, let's go in here and learn more about what's going on and ask the right questions so we can get to better answers. Yeah. And yes, and be okay with uncomfortable because the reality of it is there's a lot of people that are going to make bad decisions. And we all have made those in our life. You know, Sam, I, we've known each other for a long time and you've made countless bad decisions um, over the course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, so have I. we've all made those, you know what I mean? We've made those bad decisions. And there are times where somebody's not going to learn 
until they actually make the decision. But I also think even if they make the wrong decision, even if they make a decision that they have to learn from, I think it is helpful to be the mentor in their life that helps them go through that process before they make the decision. Because then they make the decision, they make the conversation you had and see, you know what, here's where my decision-making process didn't really work for me. And so I think that conversation, you might, it's, it's this plant and seeds. You might never know when those things actually come to root, but it's our job as a transformational coach to keep planting seeds, even though we don't know what might come from those seeds. So after you, yeah, after you gain the, the knowledge, then it's, it's for you, it's just a, a case by case situation as to what's the better option as you advise a kid, right? Yeah. Yes. And I, and I think that when you're going through these, like, how do you even know what's right or wrong in, in all of these decisions? I mean, how many times has you thought a player leaving was going to hurt your program and it just, it just opened up the opportunity for another player to step up and, and, and blossom like they would have never blossomed if that person didn't leave, you know? And, um, you know, maybe you have 10 players on your team that are actually not growing as people because this one dominant player is just killing the room and they're not a good leader and you didn't want to let go of them because you thought it meant three more wins, but it was actually right for them to go. And therefore those 10 players come together better than they've ever had. And they've grown. Like we really don't know the outcomes as much as we like to be in control as coaches. I can't tell you how many times I've seen something be out of our control. And I think really good coaches try and find a way to make a really good situation out of things they even thought was a bad decision for a player. And I think that goes to the first part of going in unattached, trying to make that right decision, uh, help them to learn through the process of making the right decision. You know, and I think part two of it is, is, is just that like trusting the outcome, like as a coach, like trusting the outcome, trusting that no matter what happens here, this is going to be best for my team. If I choose to make it best for my team, like I'm going to find a way around this. I mean, what do good coaches do when one of their best players goes down with an injury? right? Like some of them just say, woe is me. It's over. It didn't work out. But the best coaches say, you know what, this is an opportunity. I think about the Michigan kid that just got hurt, you know, and the, the livers kid that's stepping in and he's stepping up and playing great. You know, you can't stay in that place. You can't think and you can't live in that place. And, you know, even though that door is going to close, not to be cliche, that's going to open another door. And what you do with that new open door as a coach, that's what makes us as leaders. And a lot of times we think these other decisions make us if we got them to stay or if we got them to leave, but that's just part of the equation. After that, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And I, I think that you bring up a point, which is what I've always believed really good leaders, really good coaches, mentally tough players and coaches. They have eternal optimism. They have just optimism that any situation they're going to make the most of it. My, my final thought on this, this choices and options discussion, TJ is just for players and coaches to know um, to, to really do the internal work. Cause I think a lot of times, especially with players, I think coaches can help players in this is help them see, help them see internally first because a lot of times it's the external problems and you're just going to go from situation to situation, uh, college to college, job to job, and it's always going to be somebody else's fault and you never point the thumbs towards yourself and do the work inside your mind, inside your heart, and those problems are going to continue to chase you. So options can be a great thing, but they can also deter us from actually doing the internal work and learning the life lessons of persistence and grit and working through challenges that I, I think 
is so needed. I mean, it's why another topic, but it's why divorce divorce rates so high. Other options doesn't mean a good thing. Like work through it, get through it. And I think we need to help young people and and learning how to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, a lot of that is just forecasting. I mean, just I think giving them examples of like if you choose this here's the things that could happen. You got to give them the good and the bad, right? And if you choose this, here's the good things and the bad things that can happen. What I, what I would, what I would advise coaches going back to my major piece of advice is enter the conversation unattached outcome and try and be a transformational coach. Right. And if you do that, you know, I think you're going to be really happy with the outcome. One of the ways to get to the place of actually doing that, I think is really, and I like the, this advice I would give to coaches is I don't know from a lot of coaches that have gone through and done it before. And I don't know from my 20 years as a college coach and other coaches that I talk to on a daily basis, I don't know that it's worth it. Like, I don't know that the worry of trying to keep that player work, like, I don't know that it's really worth it. I, I very seldom, very few situations have I ever seen it be just that worth it for somebody. And so I think coaches spend a lot of time stressing about that. You know, one of the final things we said after the end, we made a sweet 16 run, had a really good team. And we're like, man, who do you think will come back? Who do you think will transfer? Because this transfer portal is crazy. And I said, I don't know who will come back. I don't know who will want to leave. But I can also tell you this, I'm not going to spend a minute worrying about it. And I think coaches spend all day, all the time worrying about, is this player going to stay? Is this, but you know, whatever. The second piece I would say is, so that's my first piece of advice. I wouldn't worry about it because it's going to, whatever happens is going to happen. It's your job just to coach them up with what you got and just get to that place and go be a great coach. The second piece of advice I would give to coaches when they're thinking about trying to be a transformational coach and to help players, you know, through these decisions and and the decisions that they're going to make is I think as you go through the process of helping players to make good decisions and whether they should leave or they shouldn't leave, here's the one thing that you should have. I think it should be hard for them to leave. And here's what I mean by that. They may be unhappy with their shots and their whatever, but if you cared for them, if you loved them, if you poured into them, no matter the number of shots or anything else, like, there should be a piece of them that says, gosh, it's hard to leave this program because of the culture, because of the coaches, because of the whatever. And that is controllable. Like if you want something to control, make sure that any player that leaves your program has some level of regret. You can control that because they know that they were loved. They know that they were cared for. They know that, you know, you can't control all those decisions that are going to be made, but you sure can make it hard for them to make that decision because they, they know in the back of their mind, I just played for a coach that really cared for me. Didn't get what I wanted all the time, but a coach that really cared for me. And so any player that ever walks in here and says that I'm leaving, I hope it's hard for them to say I'm leaving because of how much we've invested in them. Well, TJ, I do think you bring up a good point. That's a, along with that, I think coaches have to articulate that when – when they don't, when a kid's playing, it usually comes down to playing time or role. Their role's not big enough for playing time, right? Those are usually two big pain points for players. But I think coaches have to frame out to players that, like, I'm not conditional in, in how much I love you, how much I care for you. Yeah, you may play one minute a game, but they, I think they have to keep a conversation going because I think players, so they are conditional at times. They associate lack of playing time. 
um, with coach doesn't value me. Coach, coach doesn't believe in me. <laughs> no. And I, but I, I think that's a missed mark. I think, I think that misses a lot that coaches don't have those conversations and it's hard. It's really hard. It's easy to be transactional and just plug in the players and roll with your top seven and forget the rest of it. Like it, that's, that's pretty easy. It's really yeah. easy. So it, it, the hard work is the transformational work. Yeah. And I would, I would, you know, on top of making it hard, I'm going to give one analogy for coaches to think about here, just in the final analogy. Okay. Cause you're right, Sam, it comes down to like playing time or something transactional like that quite often. Let's say that you run a business and I'm going to just give really nice numbers and the business brings in a hundred thousand dollars and you have to hire three employees and you pay each one of those employees 25, 25, 25, and you're taking home 25. Like there's no room for change, right? There's no room for, I can't give this person a raise and I can't give that person a raise. That's all the money that comes into this business. And I, if I could, and we were making a million, then I'd give them this and I'd give them that, but we're just making this allotment of money. Well, at the end of the day, when a worker comes in and says, listen, I can't support myself on this 25,000 anymore. Da, 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 da. I've got to leave and find a job that pays more, right? That, that, that could be a very real decision and could be a very transactional decision that they need to make for their life. But I go back to the previous one. But if they know that, oh my gosh, I know I need to make more money, AKA I need to play more, I need to get more shots, whatever, something like that. I, I know I need to make more money. But I really don't want to leave this $25,000 a year job because my boss cares about me like I'm sure no other boss will ever care. The employees I work with are so fun to work with. Every day I get joy from my job. It's just lacking one thing. It just doesn't pay me enough. And so when that player comes in there and they can say, I work with 12 great employees. My boss really cares for me. They've made this a special place to be. But to be honest with you, like I've worked so hard in my career, like I want playing time. And so I'm going to go somewhere else to get playing time. It can come down to that. Like it can be that decision and I get it and I understand it. But the role we can play as coaches is create that type of business. We might not be able to pay them any more money, but it sure should be hard because of the things that we could control. We controlled. It's a great analogy. Yeah. And the, the only way you arrive there is by, Going back to what you said earlier, what we talked about is you got to ask questions and find out where people's hearts are, what are their, what are, what drives them, and what do they want, and does it align? And if it doesn't align, the other options are are probably better. And the hard, the other hard truth is sometimes somebody has to leave a job to realize how good they had it at the previous one, <laughs> and sometimes the kid has to leave the college and go to another one or leave the high school, and they realize. Ooh, it was better than what I thought. That's, that's hard. Yeah. So coaches, listen, we know that's a, that's a big topic to cover off in a 30 minute segment, but the gist of what we're trying to drive home is like, just fill the role that you're meant to fill as good as you can possibly fill the role. You know, like you are an influencer into all these young people that have choices and you're going to make a decision before it ever happens, what role you want to play and helping them make great choices. Now, deciding to be a transformational coach that pours into the decision-making process doesn't guarantee the outcome you want. But I do think it will guarantee satisfaction 
and a rest easy feeling for you every night if you make that choice. So we'd love to get your thoughts on that. Hit us up at hardwood underscore hustle. Um, is, is, and I know a lot of coaches could go a lot of different directions with this. And we know the pains and the frustrations you're dealing with, with parents, administrators, and you know, everything that else that goes into that. And that's why, again, just control the controllable because of all of those influences and those distractions, it's a better decision to control the controllable. So, Hey, listen, appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, that is Sam Allen. I am TJ Rosine and we are the Hollywood Hustle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. As many coaches head into the offseason, now is a great time to review your systems and strategies. And one of the most innovative systems is the read and react offense. Through the years, it's one that's continued to evolve with the game, and in order to bring everyone up to date with the latest enhancements and applications, Rick Torbett, the creator of this dynamic system, has just released Read and React 2.0. In this latest edition, Rick has also included game examples as proof of concept, and you can see for yourself today why more teams on all levels have chosen the read and react over any other offensive system. Go to betterbasketball.com to find out more. That's betterbasketball.com. From us at the Harwood Hustle, stay up to date with our latest episodes by following us on social media, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.